Um, I just want to talk to you, uh, hopefully briefly today, about, uh, so we're in our Encounter series, which is really a series on prayer, um, but I just want us to kind of focus in on hunger for God, um, and, uh, and that's kind of the main thrust of, of what I'm sharing about today. Um, there is a beautiful screen uh, up there. Um, there we go. Look at that. Wonderful. Amazing. Thank you, Jesus. Um, when it comes to prayer, really our, our prayer life is about relationship with God. It's about communing with God, relating to God. I think we've probably been, most of us have been given a, quite a simple framework of prayer being conversation and oftentimes one directional. Uh, where we, you know, it's us kind of giving our list of, of needs to God and, and sharing it with Him. And, and God loves to hear our needs, as, as any parent uh, you know, loves to hear the needs of their children and meet those needs. Um, but prayer is so much more than that. But prayer is the expression of an encounter partnered with the expectation of an encounter. So you pray because you've had some sort of encounter with God, some sort of tangible, measurable kind of moment in your life where you came to know God in some way. And yet every time that we pray, there's uh, an expectation that we will encounter Him in a greater measure. So not just that we would... Uh, you know, kind of give our list to God and then go on our way, that we desire to be connected to Him. We desire to encounter Him in that space. But in order to keep drawing back into that place, we need to have that hunger, that desire, that passion to actually want to do it. What we don't want prayer to be is to be a time that I just set aside and I kind of tick the box and do the things, uh, and yet there's no expectation for an encounter with God. There's no expectation that God will speak to me or that I'll sense and know His presence. At the same time, it doesn't mean that every time that I pray, I'm going to feel something, I'm going to experience something, or I'm going to hear something from God. But I think it's important that we live with a healthy expectation that that will be the reality for us. Otherwise, we're limiting that. And sometimes, I mean, expectation and hunger is, is what invites things in. Like it almost draws God into that hungry place. And if you've ever seen, when you, when you worship with hungry people versus trying to worship with like unhungry people, what's the, is that the word, unhungry? Hungryless? Full, yeah. No, they're not full though, they're empty. That's the problem. Hungerless, bloated, malnourished, yep. Wow, wow, all the words today. Thesaurus in the crowd, thank you. Um, that's good. But, but you know, it, it's different, and, and it's just like God shows up where there's hungry people. Uh, and God's almost sense is drawn to, to, to those people. So we need to stay hungry for God, but staying hungry for God is our responsibility. It rests upon us. Yeah? It's something that we need to take responsibility for, keeping that longing for Him. And I know for me, I know the difference an encounter makes. I know the difference in my life that, that when I had an encounter with God, and, and I've had a few, but there's been significant and, and specific ones in my life that changed everything for me. And I know if I hadn't had those encounters that 
I wouldn't be on the same pathway even that I'm on today. Obviously, there was the initial encounter when I was 16 years of age, and, and I didn't start my pursuit chasing after God. Uh, it was chasing after a, a different God um, of, a, of a, 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 a girl <laughs> that I was, you know, worshipping maybe at the time. And, uh, but thankfully, it led me into the place of, of encountering God and meeting with God. And I remember that, you know, the number of Sunday we used to go, it was a Sunday night service that I'd go to as a 16-year-old as and just bawling my eyes out at the altar and, and just hungry for Him. And, and that was really my only space where I was encountering God because I hadn't learned how to encounter Him in my everyday. Um, but that's where I would find myself, just encountering God every single week. And then uh, when I was 19 years of age, I had a, a traumatic experience where my cousin was killed in a motorbike accident. And that was a real wake-up call for me because I, I had met God, I'd had this encounter, things had shifted, but I wasn't living in this kind of daily communion with Him. And at that moment, you know, this kind of shock, this trauma, I was like, what am I actually doing in my walk with Jesus? Why, like, I'm kind of half in, half out, and it was at that moment that I knew I had to decide I'm going to be all in with God and, and risk it all and trust Him for all. And that was, again, just the trajectory all of a sudden went up. My passion for Him grew because I was intentionally putting myself in places where God was and around people that were hungry for God. I, you know, I attached myself uh, to my brother-in-law, who he's now my brother-in-law, he wasn't at the time, um, and that was, yeah, I guess, God's plan to get me to, to meet my wife, Lisa, um, but, uh, but he was just someone who, at the time, was just really hungry for God, and he was pursuing God, and I was like, well, that's who I need to hang, hang around with, um, that's who I need to spend time with, that's who I need to, need to pursue. That was another significant moment for me in my journey with God. The other, another significant one, and I've shared this story many times, was when I was, you know, six months into planting this church, and I had all of the right intentions, and I was heading in all of the right directions, but I was doing it all without the presence of Holy Spirit, without the, the partnership with Him. Now, again, the, the journey didn't necessarily then take this deviation. It kept on going in the same direction, but it was empowered by His presence, that I was living with God, partnering with God, rather than God maybe giving me an instruction in a moment, and then I'm like, all right, got it, and I'd run off and do that. You ever get that sense sometimes? I know even with my kids sometimes, I'll, give them, I'll, I'll start the instruction, and then they'll run off, and I'm like, I haven't told you all of the rest of what I want and how you're going to do it and, and what's going to happen and all of those sorts of things. So as I've journeyed on, it's been these significant encounter moments. But for me, I, I want to live in the daily encounter with God. And again, not every encounter is going to be as significant, but every moment there's an opportunity to encounter God. And we need to be intentional about doing that. We need to put ourselves in situations. And I think a, a real key is staying childlike in our faith journey. We become so competent, and then we become confident in our competence, but then we become less dependent upon God's presence. And we, we, it's almost like maturity. It's weird. Maturity in the kingdom makes you more childlike. There are so many things, paradoxes, you might say, in the scriptures where it's like, cool, well, we're called to mature in Christ, absolutely. But what does that look like? Well, maturity in Christ looks the opposite of maturity in the natural, that you become more childlike. You become more dependent. You become more aware. You become more trusting. 
Again, if my kids hear a noise at night and they ask me what it is, and sometimes I'll make up things uh, that it's not, you know, just to be fun. And, uh, and, and they're, really? And I'm like, no, that doesn't exist. And so, uh, you know, but children are trusting. Children are, are trusting of their father. When they hear their father speak, they, they trust what he is saying. If I say it's safe to do something, they, they trust me. Because I know, because I've done that dumb thing when I was their age, and so I know what not to do. Um, but, you know, like children hear their father. So as we become more childlike in our faith journey, as we mature in God, we become more trusting. We become more dependent upon him. We believe what our father is saying. Even when it's not our experience, we trust what he is saying. Even when it's not how we feel, we trust what he's saying. So I don't feel that way, but I know what my father is saying. I know what he has said. I know what he's promised. I feel like I'm just, I'm, I'm really struggling in my faith and I feel condemned for, for, for what I've been doing or how I'm feeling. But, then I know, but I know my father has said that there's no condemnation. Obviously through the Apostle Paul and that scripture in Romans. But it's, so, so I'm having a feeling, but I know there's a greater truth of what my father says. So I'm going to trust him in those moments. There were times in the scriptures where, where people would pursue the presence of Jesus in order to have an encounter with him. You know, the disciples are waiting in the upper room. Jesus has been crucified. He has resurrected and he has ascended to heaven. And they're waiting around for the promise that he had said would come in the Holy Spirit. But they were gathered and they're worshiping together. They're praying and they're waiting on God. And God shows up. Similar to people who were healed. You know, the woman with the issue of blood who, who searched her way, pushed her way through the crowd in order just to touch the hem of his garment. There is an intentionality in our pursuit in order to receive that encounter. And the reality is even to become hungry takes an intention. If we're not hungry... There are things that we can do to make ourselves hungry. And again, in the kingdom, when you're hungry, it doesn't necessarily, not hungry, sorry, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're satisfied. It can mean that you're empty. Hunger for God doesn't produce satisfaction. Encounters with God doesn't produce satisfaction. It produces a greater hunger. Because there's always more, and your heart, your spirit, has an insatiable desire for God. There is no limit to how much of God you can experience to the point where you go, oh, God, I think I've had enough. I think I'm full. I'm full, full of God. We're supposed to be filled with the Holy Spirit, um, but it's not, it's not in a measure of satisfaction. So whenever we find ourselves going, oh, I'm, just, I'm just kind of okay, that should be a warning sign to us that something's not okay. And again, not to be condemned, but to say, well, I've become satisfied, I've become complacent, I've become comfortable in my relationship with God. And I see people who are hungry, and I'm not going after things in the same way that they're going after them. So how then can we help ourselves to become hungry? How do we stay hungry? When we need to stay in the place of pursuit, when we're not encountering God in the way that we would desire. Sometimes we, and there can be disappointment in that, and I fully understand, but we need to stay in that place of pursuit, position ourselves to receive from God. 
if you're feeling satisfied in God, or maybe you're feeling unsatisfied, like, no, I know that I want more, then we need to position ourselves, like, get around hungry people. That was my, that was my time. I'm 19 years old, and I'm like, I, I know there's more of God. So I, would, I looked around, who is pursuing more of God? And I went and I spent my time with those people. I put myself in, myself in situations. When I was baptized in the Holy Spirit six months into planting this church, I knew I've got to go where these hungry people are. So Lisa and I, literally within a couple of weeks, we'd flown over to Brisbane because there was a conference there with people where the Holy Spirit was, was moving, those different leaders and things. And I was just like, I'm just going to put myself in those situations. And I'm, I'm going to get in the prayer line. And I'm going to walk and everyone else is falling over and I'm standing up straight still. But I'm hungry for it and I'm willing to embarrass myself. I'm willing to, to make myself look foolish in order for more of God. Like I will choose foolishness to receive more of God than looking good in front of other people. Like what a waste, what a robbery people pleasing is. What an absolute robbery. When we've got the opportunity for more of God and yet we choose people-pleasing it's sometimes even probably when we gather it's like oh I want to I want to I want to step out more I want to I want to sing out louder and I want to I want to be able to wave flags around and express myself in that way and again waving flags doesn't make you more spiritual or more hungry or whatever but you're saying there might be that desire in you for more it's like oh but what are people what are people going to think of me who cares what people think of you the chances are they're probably going to look at you and go I want what they're having It's more than likely. And again, well, I don't want to be proud and stand out in front of people. The people who come forward, I find, tend to be the hungry ones. So I'm like, if you want to be hungry, come and hang around hungry people. Like, come and flood the altar on a Sunday morning. And again, God isn't necessarily more present here than he is present out there. But there's something where it's like, I'm going to be the one who's going to position myself before the Lord, even in vulnerability, in front of other people in order to to step out. I'm going to break the power of whatever it is that's going to hold me back from stepping into that place of encounter. I'm not going to submit to that because that's a lie that says, no, 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 not, not pursuing God. That's a much better pathway for you. Staying comfortable, that's going to be way, way, way better for you. Just stay comfortable. You're good. You're right. Now, again, when we talk about hunger, we're not talking about being right with God. We're not talking, like your foundation is set on the finished work of Jesus, okay? Nothing can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ. We're not talking about uh, being an average Christian to being a super Christian. We're talking about you and God, your relationship with him, which is only your responsibility, and you are the only one to judge, okay? But there's, uh, what I'm wanting to is just inspire you that there's more of him. And I know this is, can be such a dangerous topic because people can go, oh, see, I knew I wasn't doing enough. I, know I, I knew I wasn't hungry enough. I knew I wasn't. There's no condemnation for you. This isn't, nobody can judge your intimacy with God. Someone can inspire you. Someone can encourage you. People can support you on that journey. If someone says, like, I don't think you're really loving God well enough. Well, who's, what's the measure? How can you measure Someone's like, well, I, I, I pray three hours a day. How many hours a day do you pray? Mm, I don't think you're really loving God enough. Well, what's that got to do with anything? Like how much time you spend? You could, 
So you, I could devote my entire life to following him, but I don't pray as much as what someone else does. Well, I, I have this, down, this amazing vision with God and have this super download, and that's great. It's awesome. That's how God speaks to you, but he doesn't, God doesn't, might not speak to me in the same way. It doesn't mean I don't love him. It doesn't mean I'm not hungry for him. It doesn't mean I'm not pursuing and going after him. And there's too much comparison in the body of Christ, especially when it comes to those sorts of spiritual things. And I feel like there's almost this, this trending kind of movement that the, I think the intention is good to encourage people to hunger more, but there's this orphan-hearted spirit entangled into it that says, and if you don't love him as much as what you should, then there's something wrong with you, there's something lacking, and God's, like God's going to be upset or disappointed with you. That's just not the way of a father. And we need to come out from under that, that expectation and that, and that spirit, that orphan spirit to say, I'm a son. I'm loved by God. And the reality is, if I give half a mustard seed, if that's all that I have, God's okay with that. He's not, no, you're just not loving me enough. I'm sorry. I'm disappointed in you because you haven't loved me enough. God doesn't need our love. God does not need your love. He's fully satisfied without your love. He has the love of the Son and the Spirit. The Son has the love of the Father and the Spirit. The Spirit has the love of the Father and the Son. They're fully complete in and of themselves. They don't need our love. Then the reality is that God knows that us loving Him more is beneficial for us. I love you so much that I'm going to tell you the way for you to experience the fullness of my love is to love me back. It's the most righteous thing that we could ever do is to love God. And that's why he gives it as a command. He's not needy. He's not some sort of like a needy boyfriend or girlfriend. And why don't they love me enough? And they give me enough things. I don't pray long enough. They don't worship hard enough. They don't you know, do all of these things like he's insecure. God's not insecure. He's okay. He'll be fine. What he desires is your heart. He desires your worship of him. And again, it's the most righteous thing that God can require of us is that we would put him in the highest place. For God to say, you know, you know what? You can put me in second place. I'll be fine. That would be unrighteous of God, wouldn't it? Because <laughs> God knows, well, I'm, I'm the most worthy to be praised. I'm the, I'm the only one true God. So for me to require anything less of you would be unrighteous for me. So we need to put ourselves in hungry, hungry environments. Get around hungry people. If you know people who are pursuing Jesus, go and spend time with them. Have conversations with them. Be inspired. I get inspired when I'm around hungry people. I get inspired when I'm in hungry environments. There's... Uh, the Mizpah, the worship nights up there, they're wonderful because everyone just comes, they're hungry to worship God and there's just a beautiful power and, and presence of God in that place. But it will cost you to go on a Saturday night up to Bedford Dale and to be in that place. But I'm saying even if you're like, I'm not hungry, then I'm like, then you need to be there because it'll create hunger in you. It will cost us to become and stay hungry. Galatians 3, 1 to 6, the Apostle Paul says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? 
It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish having begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith, just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness? The Apostle Paul saying, look, you can, it's like we come to God and I'm just, I recognize I'm a, I'm a filthy, wretched sinner, but God is so holy and he's so good and he has rescued me because of the blood of Jesus, his broken body, his spilled blood. And I come in, I'm like, thank you, Jesus. It's like, cool. And then from that point on, well, I better shape up or I better try harder. I better be the best possible Christian or else God's going to be upset with me. Anyone ever felt that way? Anyone ever felt like less than deserving of God's love and God's presence? Just me. Awesome. I'm alone in that place. You know what we feel like? It's like, but I just messed up and I know I didn't give you enough attention this week. And we feel like I'm not worthy to be in God's presence because I haven't given him enough of what I feel like I should give him. I haven't lived up to the mark. And that's, again, how we tend to live. We say, here's the mark and I'm somewhere underneath here. Sometimes I have a good day and I maybe just pick my head over and then sometimes I'm, I'm underneath. There is no mark in the kingdom of God like that. There is no level that you must reach. And, oh, now God's pleased with me, always displeased with me. Always pleased with me, he's displeased with me. The Jewish people understood the law as being the bullseye on the target. So they understood to live that beautiful, perfect life of honoring God. I'm going to fulfill the law to the best of my capacity because that would be my expression of loving him. So anything that we read, any commands, any directions from God, it's like, this is how you can love me well. Well, I want to love you well. And so I pursue that thing. God's not then saying, and you didn't do it today, so give you a smack. You're bad. You're naughty. You're in my bad books. You can't come into my presence. The opposite is true. I've said this many times before. If you ever feel like, I just don't know if I'm, I'm worthy to be in God's presence today. Maybe you sinned in some way. Maybe you just feel like I've just ignored God or something's happened. Hebrews 4, 14 to 16. Since then we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we might receive mercy and grace in our time of need. It means that the throne of grace is open to you at all times, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If you had a good day or a bad day, you had a good week or a bad week, a good month, a bad month, Regardless, and it's actually, I'm in need, I'm struggling here. Man, I've got, to, I've got to clean myself up so that God will accept me into his presence. No, clearly it's saying, no, 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 come as you are, because in that place is where you will receive what you need. I'm just struggling, Lord, I'm having bad thoughts and I'm stuck in this place or I'm feeling depressed and God, I know I've got to figure myself out so I can enter into your throne room of grace. The opposite is true. When we, when we find ourselves in that place, I oh, thank you, Jesus, that the doorway of access is always open. I can come actually in confidence, not because of anything that I've done, but because of everything that Christ has done. 
because he is my perfect high priest. He is the one who intercedes on my behalf. He is the one who has torn the veil and opened the way for me to come into his presence. So actually, in the worst of times, I, should, I can come in with the greatest of confidence. Apostle Paul says in Romans, where, grace, where sin abounds, grace abounds also. It's not an encouragement to sin. It's just saying wherever, there, wherever you are stuck and whatever power is holding you down, there is a greater power in my presence that can draw you out of that place. That can break the bonds of whatever chains you feel locked into. My power and my presence is far greater than that. There is no sin that you can hold you down. The power of, your, of that sin has been broken and God's presence is present to help you in every time of need. Amen? Amen. I wonder if Andy could come up and play his beautiful things. We're going to pray. I just want to give you an opportunity to maybe stir up your hunger to come forward just to receive an encounter for prayer. I know I've had to kind of cut it a little bit short. I'm just wanting to honor your time and especially the kids. But there are, there are some times where we can have blockages in our heart. There can be things that where we actually need to have some ministry, some prayer ministry, where maybe we've made vows, we've made determinations, we've made judgments in our heart that can be a blockage for us, for us encountering God and receiving Him. So I encourage you to do that. We can also fill that place of hunger with other more accessible things. So I encourage you as well to stay hungry for God. Don't go and then find satisfaction in something else or, or just uh, pass it off. It's okay to be hungry. It's really good to be hungry for God. But find people around you. So let's, uh, if, you're, if you're wanting prayer, and I'm just racing through, but we're going to pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Holy Spirit. Your desire is for us, Lord. Father, your desire is for us. That there is no condemnation for us because we are in Christ, Lord. That when you look upon us, you see your Son. You see the finished work of your Son. And then we stand on the foundation of the finished work of Jesus. But God, we know that as we are made of flesh, Lord, we, are, we have a spirit, but it's contained in this body of flesh. And it's a body of flesh that sins. It's a body of flesh that struggles. It's a body of flesh that doesn't always believe what you've said, Lord. So we have this kind of battle that can happen in us. But I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would awaken a deeper hunger for you, Lord. That you would awaken a deeper hunger for you in us, Jesus. And Lord, if we get hungry and we start praying more and we, we worship more passionately, it doesn't make our relationship with you any more superior, Lord. But it certainly makes it enjoyable. I know the difference that an encounter makes, Lord. I know the change and to just... It, it creates an opportunity for greater enjoyment of you, Lord. So we thank you for your presence here, Holy Spirit.